0: are climbing aboard. We believe it's impossible to overstate the importance of human capital in today's global economy. People really are organizations' most important asset, and effective human resource management is critical to organizational success. Studies such as the New American Workplace can help organizations and their HR professionals effectively manage their human capital by identifying and analyzing the critical workplace issues that impact performance. Given the importance of these findings to the work of the human resource profession and to overall organizational success, this up-to-date picture of the American workplace is much needed and extremely practical. I think Studs Terkel would agree. Congratulations to Jim and Ed for a job well done, and a sincere thank you from all of us who toil in the field of human resource management. The research for this book was supported by a grant from the Society for Human Resource Management. The Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, is the world's largest association devoted to human resource management. Representing more than 200,000 individual members, the Society's mission is to serve the needs of HR professionals by providing the most essential and comprehensive resources available. As an influential voice, the Society's mission is also to advance the human resource profession to ensure that HR is recognized as an essential partner in developing and executing organizational strategy. Founded in 1948, SHRM currently has more than 550 affiliated chapters and members in more than 100 countries. Visit SHRM online at www.shrm.org. Part 1. Introduction 1. Work in America In 1972, the United States Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, Elliot L. Richardson, formed a task force to evaluate the state of working conditions in the nation. A year later, after reviewing hundreds of scholarly studies and interviewing dozens of experts, the Work in America Task Force reported to the Secretary that the health and social well-being of many Americans was being adversely affected by the conditions of their employment. The task force cited a growing body of evidence that too many Americans were engaged in narrow, repetitive, and routine jobs, especially in the manufacturing sector, and that was leading to a variety of mental and physical health problems. The task force offered concrete examples of how companies could redesign jobs to reduce the negative consequences for workers, noting that redesigning work also would increase productivity and the international competitiveness of American corporations. Executives in the 1970s and 1980s heeded the advice of the experts and began to pay attention to the quality of work life in their factories and offices. They redesigned some jobs to make them more challenging and fulfilling, automated other tasks, and exported many of the remaining bad jobs to the developing world. The combined effect of these actions led to an improvement in the quality of working conditions in the nation, but, in the process, created a new set of issues and challenges. Even a casual look reveals a new world of work in America. Countless workers whose offices are in their cars, hotel rooms, and Starbucks cafes are on the phone in the middle of the night to colleagues in Indonesia and Thailand whom they may never have met and may never meet. To make ends meet, some middle class couples hold down three weekday jobs between the two of them, with the occasional part time gig on weekends, besides caring for their kids and elderly parents. Significant numbers of managers and professionals, a great many of whom are women, work for large corporations on a limited contract or contingency basis, having replaced organization men who had lifetime security. Service representatives of American software providers are located in call centers in Bangalore, India. Chinese engineers design and 17-year-old girls assemble toys for American companies in the Special Economic Zone in Genzen, China. The average CEO in a Fortune 500 company takes home over 400 times the pay of the average employee. In 1973, the ratio was 40 to 1. For the majority of the U.S. population who haven't attended college, their incomes are stagnating, if not declining. American executives decide against creating new jobs in the United States because of the prohibitive cost of providing health insurance and workers choose otherwise undesirable jobs simply because they offer health coverage for themselves and their families. A young software engineer in Silicon Valley is downsized. After a year of failing to land a comparable job in a tech industry, she becomes a self-employed entrepreneur, opening an online e-art gallery. Employees in factories and stores organized in self-managing work teams select their own members, Make their own work assignments and are paid bonuses based on their performance. A 70 year old retired American accountant starts a new career as a financial consultant to small startup businesses in Asia. He is greeted at Walmart by a part time employee his age who is still working because she doesn't have sufficient savings to retire. Undocumented alien workers gather outside Home Depot stores hoping for day jobs while able-bodied U.S. citizens panhandle on the streets of American cities, refusing to look for paid employment. What is going on in this crazy, quilt world of work? What are the causes and consequences of these seemingly unrelated events and trends? While there are no simple answers to these questions, we believe some clearly identifiable developments help to explain what has happened in the recent past, and what is likely to happen in the future— in the American workplace. Riding the Wave of the Global Economy It is now widely recognized that a new global economy is emerging. It is characterized by the transnational flow of capital, goods, services, and labor, by greater national specialization and increased competition across borders, and by the use of new technologies that radically disrupt traditional ways of doing business. The United States is positioned at the crest of this competitive wave, having adopted the de facto national strategy of being the leader of this fast-paced, unpredictable, and unsettling global process of economic and industrial transformation. This strategy is not official by any means, nor has it been chosen consciously. Instead, it is the result of countless piecemeal actions of American corporations, and is buttressed by the nation's free-trade policies. In seeking competitive advantage, the United States has targeted a niche for itself at the top of the world economy. It has opted to use the highest technology, to have the most capital and knowledge-intensive industries, and to produce the highest quality and highest value-added goods and services. Surfing the crest of this giant wave is not easy, To maintain its prosperity, the U.S. economy must be in a state of constant change, driven by a process of creative destruction. Inefficient products, companies, and entire industries continually need to be replaced by new ones employing ever more complex processes. And the nation's industrial knowledge base needs to be enhanced constantly to yield the high profit margins required by the new standards of international finance. On one hand, if the economy fails to advance fast enough, America will fall off the back of the wave and be overtaken by more effective competitors. On the other hand, if the economy moves too quickly, our industrial practices will be out of sync with our social expectations and institutions, running ahead of the nation's educational and health systems, and outpacing the ability of individuals and communities to adjust to constant major dislocations. If that occurs, the nation could experience a social backlash, like those that occurred in France and the Netherlands in 2005, when voters in those countries rejected the proposed European Constitution, largely on the grounds that it left workers vulnerable to the forces of international trade and low-wage competitors. Whether the new global economy is a good or a bad thing, and whether America's chosen strategic position is the correct one or not, are issues beyond the scope of this book. Instead of exploring the wisdom of what might have been, or could be, we have taken as givens the new global economy and the nation's competitive strategy. Our objective is to identify the consequences of these momentous changes on the conditions of work in America and on the lives of American workers. We have undertaken this analysis as objectively and rigorously as possible, recognizing the complexity of identifying...